Today we are here again with Lana from Toxic Ties. She has a blog that teaches how to learn and heal from toxic relationships. She provides lessons of growth and self-empowerment through her work. She is not a psychologist. She is not a counselor. She just has this depth of experience that I so appreciate. And so we are going to talk about toxic grandparents. We're going to talk about how to handle it, how to recognize when someone who is in your child's life might be damaging the relationship or not contributing as they can. Maybe they're not listening. She provides tools on that. So this is what this conversation was about, and I cannot wait to get started. Thank you for showing up today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited Hi, to do this second show. I, I know this is a controversial discussion mm -hmm. because I know so many people who are connected to their mom and dad mm -hmm. and their mom and dad are, are connected to their grandchildren. And there's a measure of, um, frustration. Um, there's maybe some, um, inability to listen, to hear. Mm -hmm. There might be, um, grandparents that come at a parenting style, the way they parented their, their child. And they're not really ready for, the new way of doing things that their child has embraced with this, this now grandchild. And so I know this is controversial. I know people cannot really wrap their minds around this, but yeah. here's the thing, Lana, we have to talk about it because it is absolutely real. Absolutely. When I first started researching and writing on this topic, I didn't know how common this issue was. I was just coming from my own personal experience and I just put it out there and I was absolutely amazed at the number of people who responded. I, I mean, I'm talking literally thousands of comments saying, you know, I'm going for the same thing or I'm experiencing this issue or I am so conflicted because that's the biggest uh, thing. People will feel um, absolutely tormented and conflicted between a desire to protect their children from what they feel intuitively uh, to be harmed from the grandparent and also a sense of loyalty either to that uh, grandparent, to their mom or dad or an in-law or some kind of family loyalty because they understand that it's going to have some repercussions on the entire family, which is usually the case. So people are truly struggling with this issue. And when I started researching it, I realized that there is a, a huge gap in literature, in, in research. You know, if you go and look, you'll find about a million books on narcissistic parents, on, you know, abusive fathers, on controlling mothers and so forth. But you will not find a single book on a toxic or abusive or narcissistic grandparent. So to me, this is a reflection of the, the, the sort of cultural perception that we have, our inability or unwillingness to really look at the grandparents with the same eye that we look at everyone else in our lives, whether it's some kind of ingrained respect or, or some kind of loyalty or some kind of sense of like, I, I owe you something, but it's something that's preventing people to, from really 
um, addressing the issue. I mean, what you just said is amazing. And it is, there's no, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's go to the beginning. People are mostly one of two things, the conflicted um, mm -hmm. tormented. And I really think that that is something that I've experienced in my own life mm -hmm. where you go, I'm conflicted because I want to protect my child or my children Yeah, or, or I, or it's not even to protect. I just, I don't like that way of interacting. That is not cool. Then there's the torment, like you speak of, which is, which is that, that loyalty and what are we going to do? How, how can we bring this to light and still be a family? Because everybody's mm -hmm. going to freak out and someone's going to call me and someone's going to say this. And then right. all these hidden things and there's gossip and there's all of this stuff. And someone's going to bring out the dirty laundry. Let's break this down because we can't go any further until we talk about the conflicted feeling and how we address that first. Wow. That's a great question. How do you address that feeling? Um, I guess you have to, uh, you have to decide for yourself whether this is a situation that is truly um, problematic and where your children's well-being is at stake. This is a very subjective area. Obviously, there's a lot of behaviors that we as parents may not like or approve of. Grandparents are notorious for, for spoiling grandchildren, you know, too much sugar, and then go their bedtime or trying to insert themselves into parenting decisions. So we may not like all of these behaviors, but um, is it something that can simply be addressed and resolved? Or is it a more serious issue where you fear you bring it, bringing it up will cause a rift in the family and possibly uh, create repercussions for, for, for months, for years, who knows? Right. So I think about... So for we all, I mean, I have children, I have four of them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have, I have um, grandparents and I'm pretty lucky on this because there's a willingness. There was always a willingness when they were younger. Mm -hmm. um, but here's, so is it good enough for the parent to do what I did with my partner and I, we would say, look, bedtime is this time. Mm -hmm. They have to, they might have a problem when they're at your home. So I need them to go down at this time. I need you to lay with them. You can't wrestle. You can't be crazy. Just quietly reading a book. Here's mm -hmm. why this is important. Because if this doesn't go the way it always goes, then I'm going to have hell to pay. And this is how Absolutely. it affects me. So, so is there something to say? Is it as easy as saying, mm -hmm. this is what I need? This is how it impacts me. With my grand, with my families, yes, it was that easy. But I know people who it wasn't that easy with, mm -hmm. and the parent was just like, "Well, they wouldn't go down, so you know, we watched a movie instead." <laughs> well, yes, um, you know, it it can definitely happen even with the best of grandparents. Um, so this is not to you know indict anyone. Um, 
it's just you you have to know already you know you coming from having personal experience personal history with that person so you know whether you're dealing with someone who respects you respects your rules as a parent who has been a good parent to you or a good parent in law and so forth so if you know you're already dealing with somebody who has issues with that or has controlling personality dishonest personality, manipulative personality. You know, they may tell you, okay, no problem, uh, but then they're still going to do whatever they want to do. Then a simple conversation will probably not suffice. That's where the the biggest conflict uh, comes in. It's not when you're dealing with, with normal, you know, uh, grandparents or older generation. It's when you're dealing with toxic people who are, from the get-go are not motivated to uh, respect your parental authority. They always know better. That's the bottom line. They always know better. So for a parent, this is one of the biggest issues. One of the biggest issues. And one of the biggest issues why parents decide to cut contact eventually, because the grandparents will repeatedly violate those boundaries, violate the rules, and just disrespect them. How do you engage in a conversation with someone like that? I don't know whether conversation is truly going to be effective, to be honest. You can always start there. You can attempt it. You can do something called compliment sandwich. You know, when you start with something positive, then put your request in the middle and end with something positive. So that is designed to reduce any kind of defensiveness that a grandparent might have. But does um, a compliment sandwich end up as a shit sandwich later? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you might say something like, you know, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, babysitting. Uh, but can you make sure that you, uh, you know, put my kids uh, uh, to bed at a certain time? Uh, thank you again. We think you're great. Blah, blah, blah. So something like that with more, it, you have to put it in a way where they can't really uh, refute it or get defensive. So you're not putting it in a way that is condescending, not condescending, not confrontational, just try to be as, as non-confrontational sensitive as possible and see if that works. You could say something like, we really needed this. Thank you so much. This is just so important. Thank you so much. We appreciate you babysitting so much. The kid loves you. We love it. We want you to continue babysitting. We just need the simple issue to be addressed. Okay, that's good. The compliment sandwich, it works, <laughs> you know, right? Like, we, like, right, we have to acknowledge that. I don't know if there's other other things there. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll uncover them, but let's move It's just, it's something, it, it, it's not always easy because you're oh. dealing with your parents, with your parents or in-law who you already have some kind of, personal history with, yeah. that's usually problematic. So when you see them doing something with your children that you don't approve of, you easily get triggered like that. Yeah. So you may overreact to some situations. And when you talk to them, you might be a little bit more abrasive than you need to be or, or mean to be because you're essentially responding from your, from your history and from your emotion. So just be mindful of that and uh, try to be as respectful and diplomatic as possible. Okay. So then when we move to torment, 
Right. See, the thing is here though, Lana, if you are afraid mm-hmm. of saying how you feel because it will start chaos in the family, then that's where the, you get conflicted. And the truth is, this is just messy. Absolutely. I don't know if there's a better way to put it. it it's just messy. Yeah. No matter what, no matter the specific circumstances or specific um, grandparent that you're dealing with, it's it's just going to get messy. It is messy. Yeah. That's why a lot of the times people choose not to say anything and to kind of sweep it under the rug and maybe hope that something will change in the future. But then it doesn't. And that's when, you know, people... Uh, are forced to go no contact because they feel like, well, if, if the communication is not an option or there's no chance that I'm going to be heard, then I might as well just walk away. Yeah. How do you acknowledge that there's, that you are having that feeling of, look, this could degenerate. What I'm afraid of is I'm afraid that this is going to be a family issue. I'm Mm -hmm. afraid that this is going to be something that is bigger than it really needs to be. What I'm really asking and I want to acknowledge is that my parenting might look different from how you parented me. Mm -hmm. That needs to be okay with you. And if that's okay with you, then let's just keep this here. I want to be in relationship with you and I want you to be in relationship with your grandchildren. I just don't want this to become something that's bigger. How does that, how does that work? (laughs) Well, from, from personal experience, we would usually go through these periods of contact, no contact with my, um, my daughter's grandmother. Anytime any issue is brought up, it's immediately, you know, met with uh, counterattack or some kind of uh, victim response. You know, oh, so I'm a bad grandmother. Okay, well, if that's the case, then don't bring her here anymore. So they kind of push you into the corner and saying, you know, if you don't like something, then, you know, we don't have to do this. Right. But of course, that's not what you want as a parent. And I don't know a lot of parents or maybe any parents who who truly just want their kids to have zero grandparents and just want to cut contact, not think about it twice. I think that's the biggest misconception about these issues. And I've I've, uh, mentioned to you that I get attacked for this topic more than any other topic because people perceive it as me bashing grandparents or me promoting family estrangement or no contact. And I emphasize it over and over that no contact is the last resort. This is when truly there is no other way to respond. And when the person is not acknowledging the damage or the abuse, going no contact is not something that I would recommend to jump to, but it's still an option. It's still but it's only, but you're saying, and you said this at the first show that we did, just as we engaged in introducing toxic relationships, you mm-hmm. said no contact is not, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not right. something that you do just because. That's like, right. And here's the thing. Relationships are hard work. Mm-hmm. 
working on yourself, hard work, working to collaborate with someone else on a common goal, meaning your child, hard work, working with your spouse or your partner to maintain a healthy, happy life for the two of you, for each other, for your child or your dog or your cat or your whatever. It's hard. So it's Mm -hmm. all, it takes a lot of work. It is not just this one-sided thing where I think when you're talking about non-contact and you've said this before, it's an onus on you to take Mm -hmm. responsibility and look at yourself and go, where am I, where am I abandoning my belief? Where is that person, is their action creating me to move out of congruence and into a place where I abandon the truth of what I know to be true? Is if that's the case, I better get back into congruency. It is also their responsibility to take to heart how the conversation is going. So in the case of your, your um, daughter's grandmother, mm-hmm. the, is it possible for her to learn or to That's relearn? Um, this is actually not a healthy way. That Lam is trying to say, I'm going to introspect myself. You can't have contact because you're not listening, but would you just look at your life and see how you could do something better? (sighs) This may sound uh, logical and sensical, but when you're facing someone with a completely different mentality, somebody who thinks that um, they know everything uh, that they need to know, and they don't need anybody telling them anything. They're not really hearing anything you're saying. They're hearing, but they're kind of thinking, mm, I think I know better. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is where the torment comes in because you know you can't truly uh, force the person to change or to act uh, differently, but your kids are kind of caught in the middle. If it wasn't for the kids, you would probably just uh, walk away or just just maybe not permanently, but stayed away for the most most part. But here you have these little people who, you know, oftentimes love the grandparents. That's the thing about kids. They, they love the grandparents. The grandparent can be the worst person in the world. They can be Hitler, but they will still love them. They see the light in their, in their soul and in their eyes until a certain age, I found. Like there's okay. an age that happens where they go, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get there yet, but um, I, 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 can, I can see that happening. Because in, when, when the child is little, there is this kind of a idealistic period on both on their part and on the grandparents' part because the child can't see any faults in the grandparents and vice versa. The more the child grows up, and I found it especially true with narcissistic grandparents, the more the child becomes their own self and starts developing their personality and their likes and dislikes and having their own opinion, the more the grandparent becomes distant. If these opinions and beliefs are not in in alignment with the grandparents' uh, worldview. So there's a lot of issues that come with a child becoming their own self and not the um, appendage of the grandparents, the appendage of the grandparents' ego. So how do you talk to your child as they grow older about their own empowerment, their own Mm -hmm. sense of self when the grandparent says something and they come back home with it? 
you have to deal with that. You must be the one to process and filter that through and do all the explaining. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage other people to begin that process? Right. Well, you know, I found that the children are more perceptive than we often give them credit for. You may not think that your child understands what's going on or feels the tension between the adults, but but they do. And when they start having some sort of issues or tension with the grandparents, what will often happen is they will um, take it on and they will blame themselves. Whatever the grandparent put on them or put out there anyway, they will initially and essentially blame, blame themselves. So as a parent, you have to catch that real fast because this can become a part of their self-identity very quickly. Children absorb everything especially negative uh, feedback or criticism or anything like that, that the uh, narcissistic parent or grandparent will put out there. And anyone who grew up with narcissistic parent knows that it's true. It's something that the grandparent may not even consciously do, but they constantly put you down over and over and over again. It may not even be overt. It may be through uh, comparing you to other children, things like that. With a grandparent, the same thing. A grandparent can be comparing their grandchildren to other other children or another grandchild. Again, playing favorites, maybe picking the favorite grandchild. And all the other ones are sort of left wondering, what's wrong with me? So this is probably one of the most difficult aspects of the the situation. How do you talk to your children? How do you address this? I, you know, don't recommend bad-mouthing grandparents at any point. Depending on your child's maturity, because everyone's children are different. Sometimes a three-year-old can be more mature than a teenager, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But depending on how well your children understand these types of situations, you can be as honest as their maturity level allows. I do favor the honest approach and not making something up. But of course, that's more a possibility with older children. When you're talking to your child and the honesty is the best part of this, it isn't about saying grandparent is wrong. They're wrong for saying that. That's not how you're engaging in an honest conversation. The honest conversation is, how did it make you feel Mm -hmm. that you heard that? Absolutely. What happened in your body? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking now? And maybe, yeah. why did you choose to tell me? Mm-hmm. Right? And not asking them what to do about it, but praising them and saying, that was amazing. You know, I am your safe person. And I am so glad that you were able to share with me what happened here. And then you walk away and then you pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you let it rip. It's the use of me, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it, Lori. I love the way you put it. Help your child not feel like a victim in the situation, but yes. help them feel empowered. Help them uh, connect with their feelings and not necessarily shove it down. Confirm to them that you are that safe person that they can talk to no matter what. Again, because they're going to feel conflicted too. They're going to uh, have a sense of loyalty to the grandparent and then to you. So they don't want necessarily to cause a conflict. So for that reason, children will often not say anything, actually. Well, I've always said to my kids, we always share secrets. Mm-hmm. And 
when someone says to you, don't tell your mom, that is your first warning that you need to come home and you need to tell me right away because that's great. That is how it all happens. I said, and here's the difference. Someone who is healthy, someone who is balanced, who has your best interest at heart will talk to you with confidence that you can handle something, but someone Mm -hmm. would not ever look at you and say, don't tell your mom. This is not Mm -hmm. something that I want her to know. Here's the thing that we haven't talked about. Your parents raised you and you may have problems with how they raised you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) No, absolutely. And that's why I said that uh, watching your parents interact with your children can be an extremely triggering experience. It can even be a good thing because it brings up to the surface all of the issues and emotions and everything that you suppressed during your childhood, it will actually help you realize that a lot of what happened in your childhood was abusive. Because now that you see it sort of from a little bit of a distance, you see it that parent with that child, it's like everything is clearer. Because when you're a child, you know, it, everything is just happens to you and you, you don't really have that uh, vantage point of understanding what it is. You certainly don't have the vocabulary. Seeing your parent with your child, it can certainly be extremely challenging experience. And again, that's also something that triggers a lot of people to go no contact. However, the triggering is not necessarily bad. This is just a sign that there is something that you still need to heal within yourself. So um, that can be an opportunity to work on some of these issues, let go of some of these past emotions, experiences, and try to move forward in a more empowered way. Could it be possible that then you would share and say, look, I've been working through some of this stuff. I know that there's, you know, things in our history is, is, is you being my parent, all those things. Here's what I'm working on. And here's some of the things I've released and let go. Could that be something that is a platform for um, change and understanding? I always try to bring people into understanding. Mm-hmm. It, the only, the problem is what you're saying is when someone doesn't want to learn. Yeah. And, and I think for the most part, grandparents want to just celebrate. Right. They want to love. They want to celebrate. They want to connect. They're usually winding down their careers and they're going, oh my God, I didn't spend a lot of time with my kids. Mm-hmm. So now I have that regret. So now I need to do that with my grandkids. And I'm showing up at every soccer game, every football game. I'm taking them here. I'm taking them there. That might really trigger the parent. Right. Exactly. So you're talking about the, the also the opposite situation that's also triggering when your parents are so great with your kids and they weren't as parents. Yeah. That's also that's triggering in another way. Absolutely. That can be hard, too. Yeah. And it's so it's all of these messy, weird, absolutely strange moments mm-hmm. of interaction, of, of hearing an experience that happened and going, I can't believe that happened. It's a very difficult path. What is the option before non-contact? Like, where do you go? Well, usually low contact is a stopover on the way to no contact. (laughs) (laughs) 
So first, first you try talking. First you try setting boundaries. You see how that goes. If that doesn't take, if that doesn't work. And by the way, when I say setting boundaries, I don't mean just one time. Like you said, uh, you know, no candy. And then they did it again. And you say, okay, I'm out. Setting boundaries means doing it over and over and over again. Because the toxic grandparent, if they're truly toxic, you know, they're going to test your boundaries over and over again. So you have to be firm and reaffirm those boundaries over and over. You have to uh, make sure that you understand, they understand that you stand by and you're not going to back down. So after you've tried that, the boundaries were not respected. Then you can move forward to, you have several options. You have supervised contact and you have low contact. Okay. You can also, you know, of course, engage in family therapy. Why it's not on top of my list is because I, I don't, I literally know of very few cases where the grandparent actually agreed to do therapy right. or, or, you know, admit that they, there's anything that they have to work on. Another uh, thing that may be an option, and that's in cases where you're seriously thinking about no contact or, or how to protect your children, you can um, consult a family law attorney. So that's in cases where you feel like contact with the grandparent is not safe. You would like it to be supervised uh, or, or low contact or no contact, but the grandparent is demanding time with the grandchildren. Before you, know, you get to that, supervised contact can be fine, can be acceptable in cases where the grandchildren are not in constant uh, contact. For example, if the grandparents live far away, that can be fine. Only see grandparents for big holidays or low contact where you consciously try to limit your kid's contact with the grandparent to a minimum and then just go from there. Healthy people, healthy relationships have problems still, right? Yeah. It's in my mind, I would identify a toxic grandparent as not willing to learn, not Mm -hmm. willing to hear, not willing to consider that this is actually not their child. Like there's no, there's a possessiveness about the child mm-hmm. that um, is almost abnormal. Right. A healthy grandparent, and I, again, you can correct me, understands boundaries, understands rules, wants to learn, listens to you, realizes this isn't my kid, but I love this child like I do my daughter, my son, and I'm going to listen because you know what? It's not about me behaving. Mm-hmm. It's about me living life to my fullest with this family. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. This is uh, probably how you would define a toxic grandparent. It's a sort of a, it's not a scientific term by any means. And some people are really opposed to the use of the word toxic, but. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, we're sort of using it as an umbrella term for um, any kind of individuals who have a tendency to be manipulative, controlling, deceptive. They have difficulty feeling or expressing empathy. They are extremely self-serving. They do not recognize when they've done someone harm and they cannot redeem their actions either. So usually, you know, when there's an evolution through a normal person's life, there is no evolution through a toxic person's life because they never learn, they never grow. So 
when you have a person as a grandparent, that's really challenging because they do not recognize that their skills, parenting or grandparenting skills need any improving. They are already an expert and whatever you say, you're just being difficult. So this is how, you know, we would define a toxic grandparent. Another way is to look at it from a psychopathology perspective and call it whether either a narcissistic personality disorder or, you know, antisocial or borderline, whatever you have, any um, type of your uh, cluster B personality disorder, which uh, describes people, again, that have difficulty with empathy, with kindness, with seeing themselves in an objective light, have a tendency to, to be controlling, especially to the people they're closest to, and have a tendency to have a to be abusive in intimate environment, but present a different face to the outside world. Which would look like what? So internally, it's one, and then the outside world is just, uh, look, I'm the grandparent. Like Exactly. I am the grandparent. I am grandma number one. I'm the grand, greatest grandmother in the world. But uh, in intimate situations, uh, you know, being abusive to the grandchild, saying hurtful things. And remember, a grandparent doesn't have to say hurtful things about the child. It can be about the parent. It can even be um, about other people. When children are in this environment where they hear someone, especially a person close to them, being, being mean, being disparaging, putting someone down, and this is something that is treated as a normal behavior, that is damage right there. You don't want your child to learn that. No, no, and they do, and they hear everything. We think they don't. Yeah. Right? And so then we have to unpack that with them. It's, it's that de- debriefing. Um, talk to me about betrayal. How do, you, how do you move your child if you now are moving towards low contact or supervised contact or non-contact, any of those are really difficult because it's not normal. So there's a loss in that. There's a betrayal in that. How do you walk that through? Well, supervised uh, contact or low contact uh, doesn't have to be uh, you know, super obvious. It's just you yeah. taking some steps to limit some contact that's sort of extraneous and not necessary. For okay. example, yeah, if the grandparent had, you know, access to the grandchildren on the weekends and now you're saying, um, uh, oh, thanks, we're gonna, we actually signed her up for a class or something like that. Okay. So at this point, I wouldn't necessarily involve a child in that or, or even the grandparent, and eventually they will, um, you know, get the message. However, when you're considering no contact, this is something that would have to be addressed. And again, in a way as to help the child understand that this is nothing against the grandparent necessarily, that we still love the grandparents and we wish them well, but there's some issues that they're working on that, that, we have to take a little break from them or maybe a permanent break. Um, it's a very difficult conversation because sometimes... Well, it's going to range for everybody, right? It's going to be different, yeah. Lana, for everybody. You're not... You know, what I might say is not what you might say. 
And like you said, the child's maturity is very different with Mm -hmm. any child, what they can handle, what they can't handle. What do you say to the parent who absolutely needs the support of the grandparent who is, knows they're toxic, is just having such a difficult time, but they actually don't have another option? Oh, God, this is a very, very difficult situation. And I've actually, um, I receive a lot of messages uh, about this particular situation. You know, people who uh, come from more traditional cultures that live with their parents or parents-in-law and who or, or live in their house, rather, you know, they really have no other option but to remain in that person's presence. Uh I tell them that when you have no control of your external environment, you have to turn to your internal environment or state. You have to work on your emotional state and how you respond to whether it's emotional abuse or some other difficult situations they're dealing with. We all have to get out of the victim mentality. We all have to stop feeling like something is being done to us and there is nothing we can do. Because let me tell you something, this is contagious. This is something that our children then reflect and mirror back to us. This is something that they pick up even if you never say anything about your relationship with that person. The last thing you want is for your child to start feeling like a victim. Right. I believe that there's a way to feel empowered, at least to some degree, even in a situation where you feel like you have no power, you have no control, you're at the mercy of this person. Mm-hmm. There is still integrity wow. that you can have. There is still a peace of mind that's available to you. There is still courage there is still control over what that grandperson, grandparent does to your child because some people feel like there's nothing I can do. She just does this and I can't say anything. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You are the parent. You are the mother or the father. You just have to start believing that you have that power. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> empowered to some degree that is really what I just heard you say that you are not a victim but that you you can be empowered to some degree what does that look like right well I mean empowered to some degree because you you can't completely remove yourself from that situation right Right. so you, you can't you don't have that complete control or power or however you envision your ideal situation to be. But you are control, you are empowered in your own internal self. You are empowered to your own truth and to hold yourself accountable for that truth that you have within you. So is that something that you would echo? Absolutely. Uh, start with education, start with self, uh, um, self-education and recognizing what you're going through and validating that experience. The, the change, the transformation happens when you start putting a label on 
your uh, experience or emotional abuse that you're experiencing. Yes. When it's in the dark or in the shadows and we don't name it or we can't or we don't dare to, it continues to affect us and victimizes. But when you put a name to it, when you start recognizing it for what it is, somehow it loses some of its power. I don't know why. I know. You name to it and suddenly it doesn't have that effect on you. Oh. When you recognize gaslighting, oh. that it's gaslighting, suddenly it loses its power. Yes. How do you stay empowered in that gaslighting? <laughs> gaslighting is brutal. I mean, it yeah. is like, I, I think it's one of the most subversive, anxiety-driving forces that someone can do to somebody. It's, I, equivalent, I, I equate it to next to soul murder because mm-hmm. it's that it's so subversive. It's so covert. It's just like this secret almost. And then there's this flame of absolute disrespect for who you are or, you know, this, this uh, untruth of who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with gaslighting in particular, you know, the key is really being committed to, to, to your truth, being connected to your truth. Yes. And this is something that doesn't just happen in a day. That's something that you have to develop in yourself, that faith in yourself, that confidence. So when someone challenges your truth, it doesn't just shakes and crumbles. You feel your truth because you can feel it inside. It's, it's something that you trust. It's that feeling. It's your intuition. When you build that connection to your gut, to your intuitive feeling and understanding and your intuitive knowledge, no one can shake you. Right. No one can rattle you or make you feel like, oh, I must be going crazy. It's just impossible. So again, it all starts with you laying that foundation for yourself, believing in yourself, um, having confidence in yourself, giving yourself that love and compassion that you feel you didn't get from your parent. Not seeing yourself as a victim of their parenting, but seeing yourself as as having the opportunity to change that, to transform that for your child. Because when you, when you talk about this labeling, this is powerful mm-hmm. because you can label that fear and you can, you can say, I'm afraid that I'm going to parent the way my parents parented me. You know, there's a phrase that goes, um, you cannot heal what you cannot feel. You have to bring it all out to the surface. Once you do, a lot of that, uh, the darkness that comes with it will dissipate. There is so much power in knowledge. I can't even begin to tell you. Just any kind of transformation in your life starts with knowledge, starts with, with that inkling in your mind, I have to know, I have to know. And that's how a lot of people come to find these resources, whether online or books or whatever. It's just, they're following that voice that tells them you need to learn about this. Yes. And, and that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. 
And it gives you the platform to begin for your own transformation and growth. Your Instagram account is toxic.ties. You have a quote here from toxicties.com, which is your blog and website. You say, when a parent refuses to acknowledge that they've done something wrong, they invalidate their child's feelings, dismiss the pain they've caused, and fail to resolve a conflict in a way that reassures the child that they are loved and respected. I read this this morning and I thought, that is the opportunity that we get to grow from if we have had toxic parents in our lives, mm-hmm. then we get to validate our child's feelings. We get to affirm and walk them through and teach them how to lean into the pain. Mm-hmm. We, need, we get to encourage them that failure is not failure, but it is actually really just this learning and it's a, it's a beautiful lesson. We get to redo these things. So it is removing the victim. And here's the thing. If the grandparent says, I don't want to change, I'm not ever going to change, Mm -hmm. then you have some decisions to make. You do. And you are not saying that this is easy. You are actually saying, I've had a lot of people come out and say, this is crazy conversation. Uh, Why are you saying this? And they're challenging you because it's uncomfortable. You know, our society frames family as this incredible gift. And it is. Right. Right. If it's healthy. Right. Right. If it's not healthy, Lana. That's what we always hear. Family is everything, right? Family is everything. everything. And and, and there's a false loyalty because Mm -hmm. that is not true. If you have a gaslighting parent or grandparent, if you have someone who is not a truth seeker, who will not listen, who does not change, that's not healthy. Right. That is about them. It isn't about you. And we need to begin to move this conversation to be able to say, well, I hold my family in love, but that doesn't mean that I have to be in that unit because there is a path of estrangement that can happen, especially if someone chooses to not acknowledge all these things that we've talked about today. So I think it's about a family structure that we need to give ourselves permission to go, this is really, it's unclean in here. It needs some cleaning up. And if no one's willing to clean, then I got to walk away. Right. And be ready to deal with the fallout. Absolutely. I've experienced it myself. Many times, many times. I know what it's like. I know what it's like when family members start start calling you, start calling your husband, start asking you, why did you do this? Uh, You know, she's hurting. You have to come. You have to apologize. You have to resume contact. This is family. You only have one mother and all these types of things. And it's funny because we're not denying that family is important or you only have one mother. No. But... We're also not willing to say that abuse is okay, that disrespect is okay, that this unbalanced relationship is how it's supposed to be. You know, both children and parents are supposed to grow together. Mm. It starts out as this relationship between a child, this needy child that needs your guidance, needs your support and nourishment, and you are this God that provides for the child. But as the child grows up, the relationships have to shift 
to now the relationship between two adults, two people who are equal. And some parents, unfortunately, never get that message, never get there. They continue to treat their children as little toddlers who need their guidance and advice and everything and who cannot, cannot decide for themselves. And if they do decide for themselves, then their decisions are always bad. And that's also uh, extended to the grandchildren. Now you cannot uh, be a parent without your parent advising you or guiding you or constantly, uh, you know, meddling in your decisions or even bad mouthing you to your children. That's something that happens too. It happens a lot. You'll be surprised. I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) yes it is it's true the grandparent will will use the grandchildren to triangulate right um they'll use them as go-betweens they'll um instead of saying something directly to you they will use your children to deliver the message and uh, children will do so without realizing that they're being used, they're being manipulated. I mean, this is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, they'll say, they'll say, Grandma told me to tell you, yeah. or or yeah, told me to tell you, or whatever. Then the, the uh, how, however they address their grandparent. And as a parent, you just you know, it, it's a very hurtful thing. Yeah. I hear my, my, my mother-in-law say to my child, oh, you're so skinny. Your mom must not feed you enough or things like that. It seems to be addressed to her, but it's clearly a dig at me. And that's just one small example. I would even consider it harmless compared to other things that uh, are typically being said either to, to, to me directly or to somebody else or, or to my child to whoever. This is this type of communication, this sort of covert, passive-aggressive, manipulative thing that keeps happening, it's erosive to, to family, to, to any kind of relationship. It can be intimate relationship, it can be a relationship with a family, but the bottom line is, you know, eventually it's going to fall apart. And this is when family estrangement happens and not because, you know, your daughter or your, your son have read my blog and decided to cut contact with you. I received those messages where people say, you know, you destroyed my family. I mean, how do you completely excuse yourself and choose to blame uh, some, some stranger on the internet? But this is the type of thinking that leads to family estrangement. Yeah, because, you know, when you think about it, that person who is saying that to you, that's just another victimized perspective, right? Like, absolutely. You did it. They've done nothing wrong. The problem was that, that her child read my blog and decided that she doesn't want any more contact with, with her. Of course, her child didn't just cut off contact. Her no, there is no way. There is no way. Through a process. It doesn't, it's not like that. That's it's not the how the biggest it works. misconception that people have that no contact is an easy way out. It's not. It's probably one of the most painful. It's the hardest way yeah, out. And it's not. not even a way out because it still goes on unless you cut contact with your whole entire family. So this is the worst way to go. But sometimes there is literally no other way. No. People need to realize that and stop 
judging the relatives if they do decide to go no contact. We're not trying to pretend that we're perfect parents no, or perfect not. people. No. This is not about pointing fingers and, and placing blame on somebody and saying, well, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm nothing like this. Right. You know, we can all exhibit this types of behaviors from time to time. Yes. You know, perfect example is, you know, the silent treatment, right? This is one of the most damaging toxic behaviors. It's a, it's a type of emotional abuse um, that some people don't realize it is, but it is. And, you know, we all do it to some degree, you know, when I met my husband, like, I don't want to talk. And I, I you know, I, I, I give him like a little silent treatment until I decide that it's okay. And that happens. And that's just one example. There's a lot of others. Uh, so we have to recognize that in ourselves so that we're not coming from judgment. We're coming from genuine concern yes. for our children's well-being. And we have to come from that position. When you have someone who is exhibiting emotionally abusive behaviors and are not aware of it, they're not aware of it. I don't think they, um, these problematic grandparents mean harm or they're trying to no. hurt their, their grandchildren or children. Right. They genuinely do not think that they're being harmful. When you try to tell them that they are, they uh, become completely defensive. Right. And oh, they get it's, completely it's when, denial. It's, in, it's when the behavior is in a consistent pattern. That's when it becomes, you know, something that moves us into what we talked about at the beginning, conflicted and you're in torment and yeah. you have to choose sweeping under the rug, having the conversation. What would you like to leave our listeners with today about this conversation? Uh, I think if you're dealing with a, with a difficult or toxic grandparent, this is a very unenviable position. And there's probably no right way to handle it. There is no specific rule or definition that says, well, this is when a toxic, uh, this is when a grandparent is toxic, or this is when you have to cut uh, contact with them. So trust your judgment, come from your own knowledge and your own sense of what's right and wrong. Nobody knows your children better than you. And nobody uh, has their best interests at heart more than you. So mm -hmm. come from that. The guilt, it may be something that you have to deal with. Yes, it's part of it. But it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's just something that's instilled in us uh, culturally, socially, and especially as women, we're very prone to guilt and shame. So it's okay. Accept that feeling uh, to some degree. Feel feel some empathy for yourself. This is something that uh, a lot of people dealing with these types of situations uh, lack is self-empathy. Wow. We judge ourselves so harshly. We demand perfection. We demand excellence from ourselves. We have to be everywhere. We have to do everything and we have to have perfect relationships with everyone. And when we don't, we tend to blame ourselves. We tend to think, well, there must be something wrong with me then. Why can't I get along with uh, this person or with, the, with this uh, mother or mother-in-law or grandparent or grandfather, whoever it is. 
So give yourself a little break, have some self-compassion and act from what you believe is right. Eventually, everything will fall in its place. Eventually, everything will be okay. Just don't be afraid to stand up to a toxic grandparent. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're elderly people. This is not about bashing anyone, but abuse is abuse, no matter where it comes from. If it was a, a boyfriend or, or, or somebody like that, you would not have allowed it to happen. You would not have tolerated it. But when it's family, we tend to give these people passes yes. and we shouldn't, no. especially not when the children are involved. Yes. So that's the most important part. Um, this has been an incredible conversation. I, I really look forward to these because... These are the conversations that, like we said at the beginning, we don't really want to talk about and we feel shame, we feel mm -hmm. embarrassment, we feel guilt, because we're being told we're difficult. We are being told that, you know, oh, suck it up, stop it. Or you're being told that you should feel shame or you should feel guilty because, you know, I'm, I'm your grandparent. I should have respect. It's like, right. no, you, what you said there is powerful abuse is abuse. And we must call it for what it is. And we must be kind to ourselves. We must be gentle with ourselves. And I always say, it's truth and accountability. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. That's how this life works. Being in truth, first to yourself. And holding yourself accountable. And knowing when you end and someone else begins. That's what's really important here. Um, you're on Instagram at toxic.ties. Your website is www.toxicties.com. Of course, you can reach me at The Lori Clark Show on Instagram and www.loriclark.ca. So thank you for walking us through this. Thank you, Lori. This is great. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.